Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Calm. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's more upset by bad baseball than he is about bat tosses. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Bad baseball and bad manners, Gerald. Bat tosses are, are, are one thing. Um, there's not necessarily, uh, that's why they call them unwritten rules. Uh, uh, there's no rules written down about showing up a pitcher. There are rules written down about... Uh, about being racist, I believe that uh, is one of those things that violates uh, the, the the certain amendments and the freedoms of of speech therein. Um, but uh, yeah, just just don't don't be a bad person and uh, don't play bad baseball. That's also good, but don't don't be an, an adult being a bad person, especially to a to a teenager or a young twenty something. These are just these are just life maxims. I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. But again, we're not a South Carolina baseball podcast. Here's the thing, and and again, we we've said this before, and we'll say it again. If don't be racist is something that you can't agree on, then this probably isn't the podcast for you. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. But we're not here to talk about salty South Carolina fans. We're here to talk about salty Texas fans. Texas lost its first series of the year to the South Carolina Gamecocks, dropping a Saturday doubleheader. Weather made these things weird. So we'll talk about that. We're not going to talk too deep about the basketball team's I guess we can call that a performance at the Big 12 tournament. We're going to have a full uh, NCAA tournament preview coming to you this Thursday, the day before. So we'll hit on it briefly, but we'll talk more in depth on that this Thursday. We'll down the 40. Texas had a lot of incredible things happen. National championships this weekend. So we'll talk about that. The ladies basketball team won a championship this weekend as well. So we'll talk about their continued march toward raising the big trophy obviously we've got a lot of sports going on but we'll close the show out with some bang the drum to keep you up to date kyle been a tough run for texas baseball dating back even two weekends ago tanner witt healthy scratch seemed to be a bearer of bad news tanner witt went from a healthy scratch to a season-ending surgery, which led to Texas having to get weird with the pitching staff in a midweek. They split a midweek series with Texas State, won the first one 9-8, lost the second one 6-4. Then they went to South Carolina, and things looked to be clipping back to where they should be. Texas beat South Carolina 9-5, but then the plate started to spin on Sunday, and they completely fell off in the second game of the doubleheader. Texas dropping both of those games on Sunday to lose its first weekend series of the season. There's a lot to talk about here, Kyle, but it seems like, and I'm not sure how this happened, but the pitching staff all of a sudden went from being Texas's biggest strength. Now with wits out, there's a, there's a question about how they can close out games and close out series, which is not a question we had literally at the beginning of this month. Yeah, I mean, so Witt being out is is you lose your Sunday starter, but you also what it does is has the the kind of uh, shifting and trickle down, right? You're moving people um, into different slots. You're moving someone into a Sunday starter who might have been a reliever. You're moving maybe a midweek person around. So you it, it has uh, you know a, a bolt on effect, uh, unfortunately, right? Um, I think we saw also the the compounding of a lot of games in a short amount of time. Uh, that doesn't help anything, especially when 
when you're trying to replace it's too early to have really the established rotation but texas kind of did especially with their one two and three starters right so and their closer everything in between is still being figured out but they've so that it just throws a little kerosene on that fire uh unfortunately but uh, you know this is a good team with a lot of talent i've seen some takes of folks with the sky is falling texas fell all the way to, that's just texas fans. to number two they fell all the way to number two um from number <laughs> one so yes they doubled their ranking that is true you're not incorrect that this was uh you know it's it's tough to do that i mean i guess you could fall from like 12 to 24 yeah it could happen but it's tough to tough to, to double your five to ten yeah, i mean it's, sure. it's, there are options sure. out there sure um nonetheless uh they doubled their ranking all the way to number two it's still okay now if this is um a multi-week and they have a couple kind of get right games about six of them in fact where they could really get that record looking right really get feeling right before kind of starting big 12 play and some some, you know some the meat of their their real schedule coming up here but you know you you would have loved to take one more series at least just get one of those two games during the doubleheader but again that's doubleheader baseball and a team that's played a lot of games a team that's dealing with some injuries again austin todd also out so some rotation uh there but look I, i think going all the way back texas state came in and they were a good team they were a chippy team who wanted to throw their weekend starters wanted to get a big for rpi reasons and for for pride reasons and local rivalry reasons you know they they want to get that win and they 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 got one you know and good for them i think that was good it was good for them to take a, a punch on the nose a, a hostile crowd you know the the energy at home as well i, I viral videos aside you know um uh, <laughs> uh, uh the, you know i think it was good for the they took a shot at home they Kyle. did take a shot right in the face uh for sure um i think it was good i think it was good uh, and then you have to go with the weather changes you don't have a friday game changes your schedule Schedule, you have a double header like it's just it's just it, it's been a weird week all all told so i you know we'll, we'll see again they have some get right games so i don't know that we'll really take the next week and, and flip the narrative completely if they win by a combined you know 50 runs in the next six games but uh nonetheless i think there will be a chance to get right to figure some things out to to get some you know some more reps for some arms that are going to be going to be forced into production and and you know for the bats being consistent, having guys besides just Melendez and, um, you know, getting, getting kind of stringing hits together, not leaving people on. If, if we're going to give up a few more runs than we expected from our arms. I think the thing that, that we've seen now is that the Texas pitching staff has gone from being just leaps and bounds talent wise alone to still being the most talented unit in the conference, but one of the most talented units in the country, but that, that talent gap has narrowed it and they're, they're touchable. They're beatable. And I think that's the thing that we've seen. Texas again, went from Arnold Schwarzenegger in the original Terminator, just a force of nature walking through people to now they've got to pick and choose and they've got to figure out, can uh, this pitching staff again, get right. We talk about get right games. You've never heard us talk about get right games. Get right games are games that let you play against teams that are outmatched to start to feel yourself a little bit again. So that's a get right game. And you, you said it, Kyle, Texas really has a pretty long string of get right games. They're spending spring break uh, in South Carolina, which honestly isn't a bad spring break destination. Hit some Myrtle beach, do something fun. Uh, but after the South Carolina series, they're hitting up College of Charleston and the Citadel, and then they've got a weekend series against Incarnate Word uh, in Austin. And so that string of five games, again, a lot of baseball in a short period of time, but it's going to allow them, I think, to get a lot of guys' reps, to really get back into the groove and continue and, and hopefully pick back up uh, the pace and the uh, tempo that they need to achieve the goals that they set out with. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 
not just those those five specifically, but then they even get uh, one more with Central Arkansas before opening up Big 12 play against Tech, who's a really good team, in Lubbock. And then they have a midweek game against Texas A&M and straight into an Oklahoma series. So um, two of our biggest rivals and probably the team that hates us the most out of the three of them, Texas Tech. Um, <laughs> uh, again, two rivals. Tech is not a rival. No one except Tech fans thinks that. But, um, you know, so so they get one week and, and six good games. And then... Hey, boys, you better be ready by then. You better be healed up. You better be in the ice bath. You better have your arms figured out. You better have your bats figured out because there's going to be a lot of teams uh, either coming into Austin or inviting you into their house. Uh, They just announced that the Oklahoma game actually is moving to um, the Ranger Stadium. Yeah, which will be very cool for that for that series. But nonetheless, um, just more eyes on big games, big series who who really want to beat you. So um, take advantage of these of the rest of spring break. Now, I'm not going to say you know the players were already on the uh, the Charleston state of mind, and you know we're thinking about uh, thinking about which Paula Deen restaurant they were going to you know eat at this weekend or whatever. But uh, no, you know in, enjoy the spring break, get rested up, and then do what what you know you're, you're expected to do as the number one team and our number two team in the country. But I do think. We won't really learn everything about this team in the next six games, but we can still learn from them. And you can still learn if they if they come back these two midweek games in the city of Charleston against the two programs there and just really try to pay a hurting on the on the rest of the state of South Carolina for what was uh, what was blemish was put on their record uh, on on Sunday. Then you know that it's a team with that winner's mentality. That's really what I want to see more than anything. It's just go hammer the ball. Pitch like you're playing in, you know, against those good SEC teams you, you played earlier, right? I, I pitch like you know you're you're playing the best and 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 crush balls when when they're when they're open and and steal bases and you know just just put the foot on the gas to kind of remember how that feels because you're going to need that and you're going to need in that stretch I talked about the ability to manufacture runs in different ways with with you know good good defense limiting it. Arduan keeping people off the bases, uh, you know, outfielders making big plays, uh, infielders making the, the the throws, and 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 everyone's going to have to be on. I think, and and that's the what comes with being. Even though Texas doesn't have the number one in their ranking right now, they still have the target on their back. Every team knows their preseason number one and wants to beat them. You're going to get their best shot. Yeah, I think Texas is absolutely um, again in a position where they can get back to playing the bully ball that that we saw them play against. Two top 15 teams, again, uh, in a weekend series in in Houston. And so uh, for those of you that have wanted Texas OU to move to Arlington, you got your wish. Texas OU baseball, like Kyle said, in a couple of weeks will be in Arlington. So we mentioned it a little bit, but Ivan Melendez uh, was named Big 12 Player of the Week. Four home runs, two doubles, drove him 11 Runs 11 RSBI in his uh, efforts. Again, uh, a couple of big ones. Four of them came against South Carolina in that Saturday kickoff, and it seemed to be like it was a um, an omen of things to come for South Carolina, but things didn't turn out that way. On the bad news side, I mentioned it off the top, Tanner Witt is going to miss the remainder of the season with that Tommy John surgery to repair uh, a UCL. They thought it was going to be uh, just a, a rehab situation, but the rehab bullpen session didn't go well apparently and so he is going to be out for the remainder of the season he's tweeted he's going to be back next year so hopefully he'll be back in full strength for texas yeah and and it's kind of like the verlander situation he had the same thing where uh my, my little forearm soreness and then all of a sudden verlander could be out for two years at this point and could end his career so it's it's uh wit is luckily young and has the chance to to get back and 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 have something to prove next year but the other guy who 
maybe as old as Justin Verlander. Austin Todd also out. They haven't given a timetable, but he went out in the Texas State the first game. So that's one more player they didn't have available. So they Dylan Campbell slid in there, and there's there will be some guys filling that spot. But you hope Austin Todd can get back. He hasn't been ruled out or anything uh, for the season uh, like Witt, but still, you, you, you know, one of your senior leaders, you'd love to have him in the lineup. So Texas, like we said, they're staying in South Carolina for their spring break Myrtle Beach trip. They're going to take on College of Charleston and the Citadel uh, in the midweek games before returning to Austin for a weekend series against Incarnate Word, playing seven games in nine days. That is a lot of baseball for a long road trip. Shifting gears and heading to the part of the show where we give some shine to all the other incredible things happening on campus and we'll down the 40. This isn't going to be your usual down the 40 segment where we kind of whip through everything really quickly because there's a lot happening. We'll start with the national champions. Texas men's track and field earned the first ever indoor or outdoor national championship for Texas men's track and field. Texas was first with 47 points, followed by North Carolina A&T with 36 and Tennessee with 31. A lot of contributors to this, but again, Kyle, it really just for a indoor track team that doesn't even have an indoor track facility on campus, this is an incredible accomplishment and kind of the culmination of what Coach Real has been doing since he was brought on board by Chris Del Conte. Yeah, it's, I'm glad you went there because I think obviously the credit goes to Coach Flo, but look, I mean, you have Pierce, who was hired before Del Conte is the last hire, and he had the number one team. That's great, but look what look what Del Conte's done with his hires. You have you know we'll talk about Coach Schaefer and what he uh, what he did, and and you have uh, Coach Flo with with uh, we're talking about the champion now. Also had the women right there competing for it, and then um, you know you have basically Mike White having a, a downish year this year, but who's turned a program around there as well. So it looks like uh, and Beard, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, how high he can take the men's basketball program. But, I mean, they're all competing. They're all in the hunt. And uh, Coach Flo was the first one to get there of the Del Conte hires. So uh, just really great. I'm sure this, this was a torn allegiance tough weekend in the Sarkeesian household. Obviously, he's rooting for UT. But uh, Mrs. Sarkeesian ran track at North Carolina A&T. So she may have been, uh, she may have been uh, rooting for both, I'll say. She wouldn't root against the horns. Uh, um, but uh, great great to see them uh, in, in the finals there. And, and uh, UT pulled it out and and a lot of it was you know with the with the names you knew they didn't take a hundred different people who each you know put up a couple points they went big and I really like that um they they won a national title in the distance medley relay so the team that's been dominating all year uh all four were all Americans Cruz Gomez Willington Wright Creighton Carosa and Yassin Abdullah um put a 925-20 to get all 10 of the points to win the event and then um you know there was a couple names who were familiar to folks one one Mr. Jones and one Mr. Papiri who uh who were you know just just doing what they do Jonathan Jones ran his third 800 of the entire season and came in second place um with the event again he ran 800 meters in a minute and 47 seconds Kyle that's ridiculous mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous Yusuf Yusuf Bismana took fourth with 148 out that 
again, a second behind, two full places, but Texas got a second and a fourth in that for 13 points that helped put them over. Trip Perry, like you mentioned, sixth career All-American honor uh, in the men's shot put with a season-best throw of 21.58 meters. That is, for those of you keeping track in American, 70 feet nine and three quarters inches for a second place finish. Uh, Clayton Carroza was an All-American as well, finished seventh in the mile with a time of 408 and three hundredths of a second. Four-time All-American, the Nuge, Leo, Leo Nugenbauer, opened the day for Texas with a third place finish in the heptathlon. Again, we've said it before, we'll say it again. Way too many events, but Texas bringing home some national championship hardware, trying to go for its second Director's Cup, and this will go a long way to, uh, to getting us there. That's absolutely right. I may talk a little bit about some national championships in my bang the drum, but uh, yeah, this this was uh, this was actually they came in the lower ranked of the two of men's and women's. I believe they were sixth coming into this, and the women were at three. So this was not a surprise, but these guys all performed at their apex and, and got the most uh, you know the most out of it. And I think just a really incredible uh, win. There's some more you know number one teams on campus and some more uh, title hopefuls, but the the championships count big in the Directors Cup. So congrats to Coach Flo and all of the men's track team. Shifting to the ladies, the ladies came up just shy of heavy favorite Florida, finished with 57 points as the runner up in the ladies' side. Just the 11th time in program history that the Horns have finished in the top two of the indoor championship. They've got six championships and five runner-ups. So that, again, another big accomplishment for the ladies. I'm sure they would have loved to overtake Florida, but, you know, again, they they put up, they put out, they showed out, and it has been an absolutely incredible indoor season for the ladies. And the, that Florida team was dominant. I mean, they didn't. People were saying this might be like a, the, one of the larger margins of victory for a team. So Texas was um, was number one early on, and then Florida just kept winning, and their times kept getting better, and they really have been dominating this indoor season, and they're just stacked all over. And so it was actually a big deal when Texas got Gittins, um, Tyra Gittins. I think it swung, uh, you know, what was like a like a predicted 30 point gap to you just saw 12 um because she can basically do every event um but uh but yeah i mean 12 points uh they scored 57 man they, they had a great turnout or just again if any another year when that florida team isn't a dominant they'd have another championship but no one's scoffing at a runner-up they had a lot of all-americans all over uh rasadat uh Adeleke was a three-time All-American from this uh, event, scoring in three events, accounting for eight points at the meet in the 60-200 and on that 4 by 4 relay. Also, uh, Julian Alfred, Kennedy Simon, and Stacey Ann Williams all went in two events. So you had uh, four people right there uh, accounting for a lot of, of... Longhorn All-Americans on the wall. Speaking of Kennedy Simon, she earned Texas 14 points uh, in the 400 finishing second and Stacey Ann Williams. She com- they combined, excuse me, for 14 points uh, for second and third. Uh, that actually moved Texas up to number four and three, respectively, in the Texas all-time indoor list for that event. Tyra Gittens gave Texas eight points on the high jump uh, with a season-best mark of 1.89 meters, or 6.2 and two-quarters meters. She can also jump over Kyle Carpenter if he stands up <laughs> straight. That moved her in sole possession of the number four spot on Texas's all-time indoor high jump list. Yeah, I'd see a lot from her coming in the outdoor season as well. Um, they, they have run relays 
hard all year uh, as we mentioned that four by four team took second um they also uh the 60 we mentioned there's some all-americans there uh alfred actually was a little bit you could see it upset she ran a 715 um which is you know great but to take fifth she actually ran a 704 in her semifinal for her. and that's just that's that's tough right is you you run what is an incredible leg in your semifinal, and then you're trying to replicate that. But that uh, 704 is the facility uh, in in Birmingham, Alabama record, the indoor all-time uh, indoor national championship record, as well as the, the greatest ever run in college. Yeah, so what she ran, she ended up getting fifth, but she actually ran the best ever 60 meter for a woman in, in college history. Uh, and th- that's just, I mean, those are the breaks, right? You imagine if, if uh, all of a sudden that fifth uh, leg was flipped and she ran that, you're, you're looking at a few more points and a little little more questionable. Maybe they get that national championship or pretty close to it, but um, they, they were great. Uh, I, there's a couple people I don't want to leave out out here for sure um valerie tobias broke the 800 meter program record uh and became an all-american also setting the mexican 800 indoor record she actually did it twice set the record then broke it with her final leg uh freshman akila smith who we'll be hearing her name for a few years earned all-american honors with a sixth place in the triple jump coach flo knows the jumpers and then two-time big 12 pentathlon champion again we do the big events uh christine blazavica the blas <laughs> finished sixth and earned some more all-american honors third time in her career. Texas moving on to the outdoor season where they have equally high hopes to hopefully bring home some more hardware for championship hall. Women speaking of bringing home a trophy back to Austin, Texas slayed the giant Baylor bears to cap off an incredible run in the big 12 tournament to bring home what is will be the first of what we can assume will be many Big 12 and potentially national championships under head coach Vic Schaefer. Just an absolutely incredible performance to cap off uh, a season to earn them, I believe, a two-seed in the women's NCAA tournament. Just an absolute monster performance from the ladies, uh, especially in that big win over Baylor to close things out. Remember, we've said so many times on this podcast that this team is a year ahead of schedule, um, maybe at least. Uh I have no superlatives. I saw someone describe her performance as TJ Ford esque, and I guess that's that's right. Um, but Rory Harmon, as a freshman, the way she ran through the three games in this tournament, ran the team, uh, played every minute of of the final two games against top ten teams without a turnover, scoring when they needed it, beating the buzzer, dishing out assists, just just being the leader as a freshman. It kind of tells you why. This team could be ahead of schedule because they, they have people contributing. They certainly have some seniors who, who you know, maybe get another year with COVID, but um, who, who bring that experience. But there are some freshmen stepping up. Um, there are some some new joiners in Liam Tharo who came from Mississippi State, but is new to Texas stepping up. Um, so it, it, you just you, you seem to there's a small sample size. But in two years, you've seen Vic Schaefer gets his teams right at the right time at the most dangerous time. This seems to be kind of his method is you build it up and build it up. You, you trial and error. You have some things that aren't perfect while these players, especially young players are learning the system, learning where they're supposed to be learning what they're supposed to do, what he wants, what he doesn't want. And it really feels like there's something towards the end of the season when something clicks for these Texas teams under Schaefer and it looks really good right now. This was a fun run. I watched all three of these games in this tournament, and this was—I mean, this was a fun, a fun team to watch. And three really 
hard fought games. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about it again several times throughout this season. Texas overachieved last year with with based on what they had, and Texas in a team that's essentially full of freshmen is seems to be overachieving again. We thought that they would really compete with Baylor this year, and it didn't turn out that way until the end. Baylor had beaten Texas 27 of the last 28 for the last 11 seasons, which is absolutely just ridiculous. But we'll start from the top. So uh, not a whole lot of trouble against Kansas State, 72 to 65. Lauren Ebo paved the way on both ends of the floor, having her fourth double-double of the season. Career-high 17 points and a team-high 10 rebounds. Rory Harmon, 16 and 4. Matharu, like you mentioned, 15. <laughs> All 15 of them coming from beyond the arc in front of the show, Joanne Allen Taylor, or the Jat, as we like to call her, 12 points in that performance. And, and you know, we'll talk about Lauren Ebo at the end because her name's going to come up in all these games. But not only was it a, a career high in points, a team high in rebounds, but she held Yoka uh, Lee, who's been on multiple All-American lists. She's I've seen her as a finalist on some of the National Player of the Year lists. She's, again, the player who scored 61 points and set the collegiate women's scoring record, held her to 16 points. Again, that's a team effort. It's not just Ebo, but when you're the one who draws that assignment, you know it's, uh, it's going to be a long night, and you'd be forgiven if you don't go ahead and score your career high in points on the other end. So, um, fantastic from Ebo. Don't want to uh, single her out when talking just about all that guard play, those good shooters, Harmon, Matharu and, and Alan Taylor, that the bigs played well in that one, and they had to. And Kansas State made it tough the whole way. They they, they stayed close. Texas just always stayed ahead and just never let it up. So um, really good first one, but then that Iowa State game, Gerald, that, that was a heck of a game. So kind of the opposite story. Texas trailed by six at halftime, but a strong second half gave Texas the 82-73 to win over Iowa State in overtime. Texas shot a uh, a season high 10 of 16 from three point range, uh, which put them ahead of Iowa State. And Rory Harmon, we, we've talked about her, we're going to talk about her more. A career high 30 points in that game uh, to go with Ebo's 14. Uh, Deanna Gaston's first, second career double double and 13 from the Jat. Man, it, absolutely incredible performance from Texas there. Uh, and then the, the, the night cap or the weekend cap, 67. To 58. It felt like it felt like Texas got out some frustration. A decade's worth of frustration in this game. Even in the first quarter, it was it was almost even. And then and then uh Roy Harmon hit that buzzer beater to end the quarter. And that seemed to be like a oh, this this might happen moment. And and we just continued, Texas just continued to have those throughout the afternoon, and, and it finally did happen. Yeah, you know, I talked in the first game about Aoka Lee being a an All-American and a, and a finalist for Player of the Year. The, the person that will likely beat her uh, for that award is Nalissa Smith, who is the you know Big 12 Player of the Year this year in All-American. They're both first-team All-Americans. Um, and, you know, after another All-American, see if you see the theme here, Ashley Jones went off for 33 against the Horns with Iowa State. I was a little bit worried, right? It's just three days, you're playing all these great players. What was Nalissa Smith going to do? And... and I do think that when Texas kind of took her away and she did, she got hot late. I think she scored 10 in the last few minutes. Like she got hot late, but when Texas took her away relatively early, didn't let her get shots, didn't let her even get the ball, took away her positioning. Um, you know, she was single digits at halftime, low single digits. Uh, you know, it, it felt like it shook Baylor a lot. Like Baylor had a plan, but Texas had a better plan. And I, I, I haven't just like you mentioned the, the long decade of, 
strife effectively. I haven't seen where a, a Baylor team is just looking to their coach with you know arms outstretched, exasperated, looking at the sideline, you know, uh, glaring at the refs. It's like everyone they felt like everyone is against them because Texas just was on them like white on rice. I mean, they were they were hustling, they were running down the court, they were pressuring, they were annoying, pestering, getting steals, diving for loose balls. It just looked like Texas and Rory Harmon, they asked her after the game, like, how'd you do it? And so that's Texas fight. And as cliche as that sound she said it with such conviction and every uh, every girl behind her, you know, echoed that uh, where it, it felt like Vic had drilled that in them, that they were going to win that game. And they really, truly and utterly believed it. And though it was a close first quarter, Harmon hit the buzzer beater at the end of the first to give them a two point lead. Texas pretty much ran pole to pole and to call it uh, just a nine point victory feels dis you know, disgenuine like it, it this was could have easily been a 15 point victory I mean they dominated Baylor for you know second third and fourth quarters there was a stretch where Baylor closed it to make it you know close late uh and I say close like seven points um but uh but you know it it, it was Texas's that this was their game and there was nothing Baylor could do time and time again they just looked frustrated Women's basketball fans have been on the other end yeah. for where Texas plays well, but Baylor is just a step ahead of them. Yeah. And it felt good for the shoe to be on the other foot for once in a decade. So first Big 12 tournament title for Texas since 2003. Harmon and Ebo were named for the all-tournament team, and Harmon was named the most outstanding player, not just on the Texas team, which we've been saying for a while, but the most outstanding player of the tournament. Texas finishes sixth in the final AP poll and gets a two-seed in the NCAA tournament for their troubles, and they will host a regional in Austin. And it's kind of interesting, right? I, I mentioned it in our, uh, what, the, the roundtable, Burn Orange Nation preview before this, um, the men's and women's, and what we thought uh, each would do. And I said, look, um, expectations have basically flipped for these two teams. Uh, one of them, that being the men's team, came in preseason number five. The women's team came in preseason 25, and they basically flipped. And look, the, the season ended with the women at six and the men at 25. So they literally basically flipped. Um, I didn't know that it would be that on the nose, but flipped their their expectations over the course of a season. And, and you know, that's good coaching. That's players buying in. Look, everything did not necessarily go to Vic's plan throughout the year, right? You, The preseason uh, freshman of the year was not Rory Harmon, who ended up being the the Big 12 freshman of the year. It was Aaliyah Moore. Aaliyah Moore had some injuries, had some kind of issues getting back from that, had some issues adjusting. She started the first two games of the season and then kind of lost her, her spot. But what did Aaliyah Moore do? Well, there was some foul trouble early on. She came in and just played big against Baylor. She put 12 points and five rebounds in limited minutes, just looked like that player who was the number one player in the nation you know so you think about her with with uh coming into her own which is great for the tournament another big who's who's that good and seems to be that locked in uh with Harmon you know two buzzer beaters uh eight for ten shooting five assists no turnovers yet again uh Shea Holly stepping up being our leading rebounder I mean it's just it's a little bit crazy when you all these names that are playing well at the right time. Um, you know, Matharu didn't even play outside of the one game where she hit five three-pointers, her best of the season. So you can now add her back in. Uh, we haven't had to lean except for just incredible defense and rebounding and positional work on Audrey Warren. You have to think there's an Audrey Warren game coming. So a lot of excitement for what this team does as they wrap up the year. And we'll talk in our preview about what they have ahead. Yeah, we'll talk about both teams because the men's team uh, did not have quite as much success. Blew a 20-point lead to TCU, uh, outscored 
43 to 20 in the second half of the game to lose in the first game of the Big 12 tournament. Chris Beard still just has one Big 12 tournament win to his name for his efforts. Texas was on the receiving end of a massive disparity in second half free throws. This was just a terrible effort from Texas on, on all things second half. Yeah, they went supernova for uh, <laughs> six, seven minutes in the end of the first half. I mean, just as hot as they've shot all year. And I wondered if it'd be sustainable or how they would look coming out of the half. And I actually, uh, it was during the day I was working. And so I watched the first half, but I had meetings and I was recording the second (laughs) half, but I saw the score before I watched the second half. And I was like, what the heck happened? Like, this is worse than anything I could have imagined. So maybe it's my fault for not watching. I'll, I'll take that, uh, on the chin. Maybe it's me. Um, but clearly they, they regressed to the mean and then some in that second half. Um, it, yeah, exactly. Um, it was a tough watch for me to watch the second half. I wish I just wouldn't have, and, and I could have just wondered what happened to that game. Um, but no, I had to watch it, and, and it wasn't good. It wasn't good. The defensive intensity wasn't there. The offensive execution wasn't there. TCU, who is a good team, admittedly, and is a strong, physical, tough team, and will give some teams trouble in the tournament. I mean, I, they worried me because we beat TCU twice, and it's hard to beat a team that – a was hot and B is is that tough and C hates Texas with every fiber of their being uh, three times and you saw that but I just once it was up twenty if they had a, a nine point comeback I say okay sure I see that coming twenty uh, that's tough to swallow it absolutely is that was one of the most infuriating sports performances I've seen and this is a year in which Texas lost six football games in a row. Um, that's how it felt. Uh, was watching all of those yeah. games in one. Just the, You could just feel it slipping away, and they just did not have the ability to get it back under wraps. So Texas finished the year, like Kyle mentioned, ranked 25th in the AP poll. It's going to be the first time, though, that Texas um, has finished in the final top 25 in back-to-back seasons since 06, 07, and 07, 08. So uh, here's hoping that's a sign of things to come. We'll talk more about the the NCAA tournament in our Thursday preview show. Uh, Be here for that. We'd love to have you as part of it. Number one rowing opened their national title defense in Dallas with a two-day six-race sweep of number 13 SMU at White Rock Lake. They returned four All-Americans from last year's title team and look to uh, just continue on the murderous pace they were on 12 months ago. That's right. 16 of 20 total back from last year, including Big 12 uh, Newcomer of the Year last year, Anna Jensen. So they they uh, they are rightfully number one until someone proves otherwise. And this uh, SMU was in the national championship regatta last year. I mean, they, they're a, 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 a good team. They were the conference champions in their conference last year. I mean, they're, they're formidable, and Texas made light work of them. And so that's a really good sign that uh, no, no flukes here. This is a legit number one program. Next up for them, they head out west. And uh, I love this spring break thing. You know, you just you, you schedule all of your athletic events on the various coasts over spring break. So, you know, so your kids can just uh, can travel east or west. Texas rowing has come such a long way from when you and I were on campus where it was just like random person who had never rowed before was on scholarship uh, because they were little and could sit at the front of the bus. And yeah. Varsity Blues. Yeah. Ex- Varsity Blues, Gerald. That's how they got on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kyle, great movie. 
terrible scandal. Softball got back on track with a uh, win in Denton, 8-2 to two on Wednesday. And the Bevo Classic had to do a little bit of a Bevo shuffle, but went 3-0-1 in the four games they managed to play. Uh, a run rule against Nichols State for the 1,000th victory, a 12-3 Run rule against Minnesota, 7-0 to Drake, and then a 10-10 tie with those Minnesota Golden Gophers after six innings. A, a big weekend for Texas to improve to 16-9 on the season. 16-9-1, Gerald. They, uh, they added their first tie since 2008 when they had a deadlock with the North Carolina one to one but this one was 10 to 10 but because of uh, all the weather and rescheduling in Minnesota you know uh, it's hey, we got to get back get these kids to bed don't you know uh, they just had their drop dead time was at this time when the watch hit they said yeah 10 10 it's a tie uh, which is unfortunate you know I like to think Texas could have could have swept the B4-0 um, but that's all right they uh, they had a great showing hit 404 as a team combined 38 runs 22 extra bases hit seven home runs uh 1.267 ops over four games you saw the freshman catcher who we talked about when she was recruited was one of the biggest recruits in the country uh and is is continuing to to play like that since she's come on katie simmons um has a 17 game bases reach streak leading the team also bella dayton is at 10 um so these newcomers both riding double digit uh reaching base streak simmons herself uh we didn't say as it came out right after we recorded last week, both selected as the big 12 conference player of the week last week um, for going nine for 21 and just uh, under four thirty there over seven games, eight runs, two steals, four home runs, 21 total bases, seven RPIs, 1000 slugging 15, 1.5 OPS. She homered in four of the five games last week, including a two run homer off Alabama, all American and fantastically named pitcher Montana Fouts. If you didn't notice, Kyle had to take a breath because so much was accomplished for her. Texas will be back on the diamond. They're heading to Louisiana for spring break, which is honestly not a bad trip for them. They'll take on the Raging Cajuns on Wednesday in a doubleheader before heading back home for a three-game weekend series. Has LSU on Friday and a doubleheader on Saturday. Number eight, women's tennis open conference play strong this weekend in Austin, knocking off number 34, Texas Tech four to one on Friday. They dropped the doubles point, but won four singles and would have won all six of them, but they didn't need them. Then they swept TCU seven love on Sunday. Big win for the ladies to um, kick off their, uh, their title defense. That's right. And uh, Gerald, they are, they are, very dominant in, in Big 12, like very dominant. They last dropped a Big 12 conference regular season contest, a dual match, the regular you know match, uh, when they had a 4-2 loss to Baylor in 2017. That's that's a month away from being five years since they've lost uh, in conference play. So they are, they are dominant. But Gerald, th- that five years also coincides with the time that they have played in the Texas tennis center um that actually opened in 2018 but uh texas just had their 50th women's home match since opening the texas tennis center so it seemed like a good time for some gerald trivia gerald how many wins in their first 50 since they opened the texas tennis center have the longhorn women's tennis team had at home i'm gonna go with four they're 45 and five since 2018 that's what i'm going with 
That's very remarkably close. If they went one and one instead of two and zero oh this week, that would be the case. They are forty six ah. and four. Um, I really respect that. You are you are dangerously close. Um, but yeah, forty six and four in their first fifty. Just just a reminder what Coach Joffe's done, and they are uh, they are dominant uh, right now at home and and uh, potentially everywhere. Uh, they have a good crew. They actually had the the latest rankings came out this week and had four in the top twenty five, including number seven Peyton Stearns, number thirty eight Kylie Collins, uh, Malika Rapalude ninety five, and Sabina Zayanilova at one hundred six. On the men's side, number 15, men's tennis continues their streak of ranked opponents. They were shorthanded uh, with injuries to Pierre-Yves Bailey, Cleve Harper, and Nevin Armili. They took on and beat number 28, Texas A&M, 4-1 in College Station. Suck it, Aggies. And then <laughs> almost came back, pulled off the comeback, almost pulled off the comeback against number 2, Ohio State, 4-3. to three. They were down 0-3. They took the next three, but Ohio State won that last one to go over four to three. Texas has five ranked in the latest ITA rankings. That's right. And Ohio State is they were number one. They they actually dropped one to fall to number two, but they are still my my pick to win the men's national championship unless Texas can uh can can get hot here uh at the end. It's like they 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 won all these these ranked teams. They beat the number three doubles team. Oh yeah, but Ohio State also has the number one doubles team. They they beat uh, you know, the the number eight player, the number twenty six player. Oh yeah, but they also have the number five and eleven singles player. They're just stacked uh all the way through and uh maybe if Texas was fully healthy and they can get everyone going at the right time. But uh this was a tough one. Like I said that that 4-3 loss, I mean, it was in the final set of the final match. They could have had a huge, huge upset if they could have pulled this off. So that does make me feel good about where Texas is. Uh, if Ohio State truly is the best team in the country or close to it, that Texas is just a few swings of the racket away from that. Up next for Texas, traveling to L.A. to take on number 9, USC, the number 27, Pepperdine. Again, some great spring break trips for the Longhorns. And then finally, swimming and diving. Number one, men's swimming and diving qualifies 23 for the NCAA championships at the end of this month. 19 swimmers and four divers. That's the largest number of qualifiers for any men's program. On the ladies' side, they qualified 13. For the women's championship, which is a week before the men's seven swimmers, six divers. Again, big opportunities for Texas with big numbers there to bring home a couple of national championship trophies for their trouble. That's right. Uh, we may have a chance to report uh, next week on a women's national championship and then uh, men's in two weeks. So we'll see. Number one and number two. This is where that uh, that, that director's cup uh, banks on is, is the small numbers staying small and then finishing all the way through like men's track did got to do it in the big one so excited for all of the swimmers in the pool maybe an update to our header twitter header image coming soon but that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions of all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week I was going to bang the drum on Pro Day, Gerald, but uh, truly, is I'll just say this. There were some great times, some great performances, some guys who clearly worked their butt off uh, to make sure they, they tested well. Um, you know, Dicker Thompson um, are probably the most likely to get drafted, but I don't want to break down all the numbers. I decided instead I'm going to talk about the best thing you can do besides going pro, Gerald, and that is winning a national championship. Now, we know that when we think academically, 
we don't necessarily peer ourselves just to the Texas institutions. In fact, we strive higher. We look at Ivy Leagues, even though Texas is a public university. We certainly look to the University of Cal system and, and some of their academic rankings, and we peer ourselves nationally. And when we think about athletics, we have to do the same thing, Gerald, because Texas, with the men's track and indoor track and field championship, just got their 59th NCAA championship. Is that a lot, Kyle? Gerald, the next closest has 21. Um, that is a delta of 38 championships. Again, showing the academic prowess. I just did that on the fly. I didn't even have <laughs> that. that didn't, have, didn't have that written down. Uh, 38. I mean, it, here's the thing that's crazy, Gerald. If you go all the way down to fourth on the list where Texas A&M sits, that's right. Texas A&M is behind University of Houston and UTEP on national championships won by Texas programs. I'm going to repeat that. While Texas is first, UTEP, then Houston sit between Texas A&M, who has a mere 16. Um, It's just crazy. I mean, the rest of all of the schools combined in every sport have won like 81. You know, Texas is probably a decade or two away from just lapping them, like full lapping all 30 colleges in, you know, who compete in some sport in the Division One level in the state of Texas. Uh, no shade to SMU, TCU, Baylor, North Texas, Sam Houston, Texas uh, Tech. Yes, shade to Texas Tech. Rice, Texas State, UTSA. Uh, you know, um, Texas Tech, by the way, has two ever, all time, any sport, two. They have two. Texas has 59. Tech has two. That's why no one considers you arrival even remotely not at all you're not close you're not a peer in any way certainly academically but in athletics either you're not so you're just not but texas uh, we just talked about it how many number one teams or number two teams did we just mention in our down the 40 this number could be 63 if things break right by the end of this year they could they could still after doing one this year add more than texas tech has ever had in their history more uh maybe not more than baylor because they've gotten all the way up to five now um but you know maybe if they not even have a spectacular year but just have a good year they could do that in the last two years they could do five national championships they're currently at four if you count three last year one this year and three programs within the striking distance number one or number two uh still to go so Folks, when, when we talk about it's different here, this is what we mean. Y'all win conference championships, and it's really great. Like, I love that other people are getting a chance to win some of those. And y'all have teams that are ranked well, and you have really big recruiting off seasons. And, you you know, you, you have a, a, a coach who works out even better than you expected, whether that's football or basketball or whatever. But those are the, the little things. That's expected in Texas. That's why we're mad when it doesn't happen. That's how you go on to win 59 national championships. Sucks to be anyone that's not Texas. I'm banging the drum this week on internet scuttlebutt. So if you are not in this part of the internet, I don't know how you're on our podcast, listening to our podcast, but welcome. So this week, uh, The Athletic, Stuart Mandel and David Ubbin broke a story that a high school player had signed an $8 million NIL deal with a collective that has close ties to a specific university in orange and they didn't actually add the orange part i added that last part in for emphasis but internet speculation went random because it also was timed a few days after um some predictions that five-star quarterback arch manning was going to be committed to or committing to texas from uh the folks over at inside texas but um if you spent more than just like 45 seconds thinking about it. There's no way on God's green earth this is Arch Manning. Because in the first paragraph of the story, you can see that the 
quarterback is represented by a lawyer from California. And the Mannings are old money, so they're not going to have a lawyer from California. They're going to have a lawyer probably from their home state of Louisiana. If you also did maybe three minutes of research, you'd notice that Louisiana is not one of the states that allows high school players to receive NIL deals. And in that very article, it says that the player is going to receive money immediately. So again, right there, if you just took a breath, you didn't have to blame Texas for this one. And then again, if you continue to pull on the threads, you could have identified that there are five, not one, not two, not three, four, but five, five-star quarterbacks in this class, three of which happen to be from California, two of which are currently, one of which is currently committed to USC, and one just took a visit to, shocker, Tennessee, the other orange kind of UT school. So like, Everybody in their rush to continue to hate on Texas just showed how absolutely baseless most of their conversations are. Now, that being said, if Texas doesn't pay Arch Manning $10 million and he goes somewhere <laughs> else, I'll be very upset. But if in your efforts and in your moments to be upset that the University of Texas continues to outpace everybody in this realm, you are just continuing to show that you are pocket watching and that's broke behavior. And I'm sorry that you are some broke boys on the college football landscape. That is all I'm going to say. Again, the fact that everybody assumed that it was Texas continues to prove that in the worst decade of Texas football in a year where Texas lost six straight games, including Kansas in overtime, missed a bowl, the coach, the special teams coaches, wife's emotional support <laughs> monkey bit a kid in that year. Everyone is still so afraid of the university of Texas getting back to what it can be that they jump to conclusions of impropriety in that my friends continues to prove why Texas regardless of it will always be the Joneses counterpoint, Gerald, Jonte Cook may have taken a vacation once to California. Maybe he met a lawyer there. So maybe that's who eight million goes to. Ten goes to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we are the Joneses. Gerald and I just proved it in two separate ways. Thank you for listening. This has been our TED Talk. And that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer, both on Twitter.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. I said that's all we've got for you this week. But remember, Thursday we'll be back with a big, with a NCAA, big NCAA tournament preview show for both the men and the ladies. We'll see you then. But until next time, hook up. Hook up. Thank you so much. Say hello.